Hello and welcome to episode 100 of the Cognicast, a podcast by Cognitech Inc. about software and the people who create it. I'm your host, Craig Andera. Well, here we are at episode 100. A little bit hard for me to believe that we've done 100 episodes, but we have. <laughs> so uh, thanks for coming along for the ride. I know that there are some of you out there that have actually listened to every single episode, and that's amazing to me. Um, uh, just hope you enjoy this one, uh, to listening to it as much as I've enjoyed creating it. Really only one announcement for you today, and it has to do with a new feature that we're adding to the Cognicast, and that is transcripts. Uh, within a few days of launching an episode from now on, we will be adding a text transcript to the show post. So you can find that um, on the show home at cognitech.com slash podcast. You'll be able to go out there and see a full word-for-word transcript of everything that was said. We think that'll make it easier for people to search the content and maybe even to consume it in ways other than just um, listening to it. Well, we certainly hope you find it useful. Uh, we've gone back and provided transcripts for every episode starting from uh, 94. Uh, that's kind of marks the beginning of the 2016 season. No plans right now to go back and add transcripts for uh, shows prior to that, but uh, certainly for every show uh, going forward from 94, we will we will have that within a few days of the of the show going live. So we're pretty excited about that, actually. Um, but we are also excited about this show, seeing as it is episode 100. Uh, we decided to do something a little bit different, but I'll uh, I'll talk more about that as we get into the show itself. So for now, I will uh, stop here, and we will go on to episode 100 of the Cognicast. As I record this, it is Friday, April 22nd in the year 2016. This is, of course, the Cognicast. In fact, it's episode 100 of the Cognicast. Uh, as I mentioned in the intro, we decided to do something a little bit uh, different this time around. Uh, ordinarily, we have a conversation with one or two people. Um, but as we kind of thought about something we could do to commemorate this you know, special milestone for us, episode 100, uh, one of the ideas that came up was to talk to every person in Cognitect and uh, get their answers to some questions that we came up with. And that's exactly what we did. Uh, I, I just want to say a couple things first, though. Uh, first of all, this episode was an enormous amount of work. Not, not so much for me. I mean, I got to go around and talk to everyone in the company. It was amazing to hear people's really thoughtful answers to these questions that we'd come up with. Uh, but this episode was still an enormous amount of work, particularly for... Uh, Russ and Damien, who did the editing work, as you can imagine, you know, cutting together what wound up being something like maybe 11 hours of audio to try to fit it into our usual uh, show length of about an hour was just a huge job. And, and so enormous kudos to them um, and to the rest of the podcast production team for, for pulling this together. Uh, I started everybody off with the question we always start the show off around experience of art. And we kind of start from there, but uh, there, were a, there were a bunch of questions I asked everybody. Uh, honestly, it was an almost impossible task to limit ourselves to, uh, you know, um, an hour's worth of um, uh, content simply because everybody, in my opinion, had really interesting things to say uh, to, to, to some, most or all of the questions. So uh, we, we certainly hope that you will enjoy this little insight into the the group of people that we work with i mean we say on the show that the show is about you know software and the people that create it well you know we're a company that creates software and we're made up of people and, and everybody at the company is is involved in the process of creating software whether that's directly through the consultants or indirectly through the the, the many many people that make that possible who without whom their effort we wouldn't be able to do it you know the people in the in accounting, the people in sales, like the, everyone in the company helps to make software in some way, and they are all amazing. And uh, I think that's enough setup. Let's go ahead and hear from the people of Cognitect. And then I'm going to ask you for some stories, if you have any, and then we'll come back to the two questions that I mentioned. So the first question should hopefully be the easiest one. What is your name and job? Oh, my name. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Karen Meyer, and uh, I am a programmer. So, our developer or engineer, however you want to say that. Tell us about an experience in art. I mean, I like all sorts of different art, but one that just came to my top of my mind today is uh, Sunday in the Park with George. You know, there's the, the musical Sunday in the Park with George, 
that's actually based on um, the painting Sun, Sunday in the Park, and it's um, the French name of it, but it's point, pointillism. Uh, I think it's Georges Sarrault. Sarah? He did pointillism, which is you, you make a picture by using all these little dots of color. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you look back on it and then it emerges into, you know, a scene and the the blending of the the light and everything. Um so it's 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 he's an interesting artist, um, I think, in respect to our our profession, <laughs> where you start with these these little little uh you know bits of things and then you build up into something beautiful. My name is Mike Nygaard. My job uh, at this point in time is VP of Customer Solutions for Cognitect. When we talk about art, we're, we're talking about sort of the, the cultural edifices or the, the creations that we all get to share in as part of our, our shared humanity. And so um, I'm a big fan of uh, classical music, music from the Romantic era, um, sculpture, poetry, uh, but I also include some of our scientific achievements as cultural achievements. Uh, I think you can regard uh, these creations of human intellect as as edifices. So I find art and beauty in calculus and fractals and uh, particle physics. My name is Diane Butler, and I'm the HR manager here at Cognitect. My oldest daughter is an artist and most of the art that I've been, that I've been a privilege to own in my adult life has been done by her. As a matter of fact, the piece that hangs over my desk here at work is one of hers. Hey, my name is David Nolan and my job is I'm a software engineer at Cognitect, but I went and saw Stockhausen's um, Klang performed at the Met. It was just really awesome. It was a 40-minute virtuosic heart piece. So that was pretty cool. My name is Andrew Rankin, and um, I work on the product team here at Cognitech, and I do a lot around uh, AWS and, and making our products work appropriately in AWS, uh, and a lot around um, operations, um, so keeping things up. So I, I, love, uh, I love cars, and um, it's I find a lot of beauty and in cars, and um, so I, I more more recently it's been more about the mechanical aspects of cars. But um, maybe maybe a year or so, um, year or so ago, we my wife and I actually my wife saw it and I said you should you should come uh, we should we should go see this, which is a a Porsche exhibit in the uh, um, North Carolina Museum of Art. Um, and it was maybe 20, 20 something cars, but it kind of, it showed the progression, um, over the years and there was, there was a bunch of race cars and, and, uh, it mostly, uh, you know, the, the standard Porsche, uh, 911 style body, um, how it, how it kind of changed over the years. And it just, it, it showed how it's something as simple as, as this original design could, um, kind of change over the years. My name is Rich Hickey and my job title is CTO of Cognitech. Probably a better title would be, you know, chief inventor or something like that. So I mostly primarily work on uh, the design and implementation of Datomic and Clojure. I, I guess I have my fondest memories of, uh, of two things that are pretty different. <laughs> One would be uh, seeing some of the big, you know, awesome concerts back in the 70s. You know, Yes and Led Zeppelin. Those were pretty, uh, left pretty big impressions on me as a teenager. Um, and the other would be definitely the Picasso Museum uh, in Paris, which is just oh, unbelievable. <laughs> um, all right. So do you have a personal quirk that makes you better at your job? Uh, yeah. I'm not infatuated with computers. I'm happy to walk away from them and work with a piece of paper and a notebook and a hammock. I, I think a lot of people involved in programming are sort of really into the technology for its own sake. And my quirk would be that I'm less so. Okay, great. Um, what's one important thing you've learned at Cognitect? Uh, it's not a single fact, but I think, uh, the biggest thing for Cognitect for me is, uh, learning on an ongoing basis. And I have plenty more to do. 
uh, about how best uh, to work with with people and uh, value what they do and help them grow and help them let me grow. So I, I think that's something that everyone at Cognitech values highly and uh, and considers a process as opposed to something that we just know. My name is Justin Getland and I am the CEO. What's one important thing you've learned at Cognitech? Keep talking. <laughs> really? Um, listening is a super important skill and one that is not practiced nearly enough by most professionals. And I will grant you that uh, that is a super critical skill. But I knew that one before Cognitech. It wasn't until I you know, began a, an agile consultancy in its earliest days and a distributed organization in its latest days that I found out the importance of essentially filibustering an idea until people tell you to shut up. I think that most software projects go off the rails because people don't talk about what's going on enough. And I think most companies suffer from a lack of communication, even when they think they're doing it to the point of exhaustion. Um, and so that is a lesson that's been drilled into me over and over and over again. My name is Luke Vanderhart, and I am a software developer and a consultant with Cognitect. What have you learned at Cognitect? Uh, there is always more estimation to be done even when you think you're done. Um, kind of like Hofstadter's law of recursive estimates. It's, it will always come back to bite you, and you can never do too much thinking about it. How do you balance that against never starting? Well, I didn't say never start. A lot of times you can't even, uh, it's through the process of starting and actually engaging with the problem that you start to learn these things. So if you never start, you're in an even worse position. I don't have a great answer, um, but you know, simply being aware of it is uh, something that I think is better than not to be aware of it. My name is Mark Phillips. Uh, and my job, uh, that is a, it's an ever-rotating uh, set of titles. Um, I believe when I started, what was advertised uh, was Agile Project Manager. It has also been called uh, a coach, but very different from an, an Agile coach. But, but, but often, really, that's not remotely the job that I do on projects. And even projects isn't a great way to put it, because they're often partnerships. Um, with either, you know, brand new startups or you know global enterprises, and and so it's really, um, it really morphs depending on what is needed by that partner and you know what is trying to be built. What's one important thing you've learned at Cognitect? Nobody knows anything. Everybody's completely uh, making up uh, and faking whatever they're doing, and that's not that's not in a bad way. And this and I get this view from just all, of all the companies that we've worked with, um, and, and everyone in all these positions, again, everyone's doing the best they can, but they're, you know, they're often, they're often guessing. And, and, and again, that's, that's okay. And, and, the, and the bigger, the biggest differentiation, you know, we've seen in the, in the companies we've worked with that have been successful either, either in our partnership with them or just watching them go along are the ones that at least at some level, know they're kind of making it up as they go along. And, and you know, the, the, the idea they have now is the best idea at the time, but that may change uh, rather than it's the ones that really, when people really feel like, hey, I know what I'm doing and, you know, you're just going to have to get in line or, you know, and, and don't necessarily listen to feedback or open to that, then that's, you know, when they tend to run into problems. But really, I've been amazed at the people who from the, and the companies that from the outside you think, wow, you know, they really know what they're doing. And then you meet them, and it's like, you know what? It's, it's, it's just a bunch of people who, who are just doing the best they can. Um, my name is Naoko Higashide, and I am one of the coaches at Cognitect. All right. What's one important thing you've learned at Cognitect? Just one. Be myself. What, uh, was there any particular experience that... That, that drove that home for you? Yeah. Um, prior to Cognitect, um, I was at a very difficult company. So it was a little crazy. And um, we weren't allowed to be ourselves. And I didn't realize that until um, I was you know, there for a little bit. And um, when 
um, relevance then um, contacted me and I started talking to a whole bunch of relevancers. Um, that's when I realized I felt comfortable, like I felt I belong. And so I think that's really, I mean, it's obvious to say that that's important, but um, I think you can say that at the workplace too. How do you think we, for whatever value of we you'd like to answer for, uh, can make software or the software industry better? Hmm. I think knowing the balance between execution and design. Um, something that I've been thinking about more lately, where, you know, back in the days it was design phase and then this phase, that phase, very much waterfall. Um, and then, you know, Agile picked up. We love Agile. But one of the things, um, sometimes it, it all depends on the project type. But I do think that some projects require more design time up front, thinking time or hammock time um, up front um, to be able to be building the right thing. But that doesn't mean we have to, to drop Agile either. So it's, it's the balance. Hmm. I like that answer a lot. Uh, my name is Alex War. I'm the director of business development at Cognitect. <clears throat> we touched on this a little bit with our most recent cognition consulting practice retro, but it's something that I've felt for the last several years and something that I think we do a really good job of, even as an expert you know, technical team, um, understanding that it's almost never, an impossible problem is almost never an impossible technology problem. And it's almost always a difficult people problem. And the more that you can live in that reality and, and understand that and um, sort of embrace the opportunities that that presents, the better off you're going to be um, making yourself happy, but also delivering incredible value for customers. Michael Parento. Uh, <laughs> my job. I am a designer. So what's one important thing you've learned at Cognitect? Software is about people. How can we make software or the software industry better? By remembering that software is about people. Uh, my name is Michael Fogus, and uh, I am a consultant uh, working with clients to help them uh, build excellent systems. Uh, do you have a personal quirk that makes you better at your job? <laughs> uh, I think that uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know that I'm any different than than anyone else, but. Uh, I think one thing that that does help is that I have uh, I get a little bit of a set, uh, obsessive about about details, but at the same time uh, I'm able to uh, I, I can obsess about the details when I need to be, but when I, I realize that it's it's time to uh, step back and take a look at things from a larger picture, I can sort of divorce myself from uh, those. Uh, those fine little details, obsession, obsessing over those fine little details, exactly when I need to. I, I guess that that's that's a skill that that has helped. I found has helped over the years. Uh, all right. So, how can we, for whatever definition of we works for you, make software or the software industry better? So I, I might be a little bit biased uh, in this answer, but I, because it, it's something that I, I I find personally interesting. Uh, but I do think that there is some benefit that could be brought to bear, and, and that is uh, knowing knowing the history of, of our industry. Uh, as, as a software developer, uh, I feel like uh, too often I, I run into people who, who don't really understand that uh, the things that they that they that they know or the, the the tools that they're using or that they're excited about uh, very often have precedent in. in not one, but dozens of other programs or uh, frameworks or systems or papers or ideas uh, in the past. And I, and I really think that it, it behooves us as, uh, as programmers to uh, really understand what came before uh, 
so that we can make better informed decisions about uh, what we need to do next. Uh, you know, minimally, uh, understanding what came before helps uh, helps with the the hype noise. You know, it it it's, it it makes it a lot easier to understand when you're dealing with hype as opposed to genuinely uh, interesting and exciting technology. Uh, I am Alex Miller, and my job is to uh, help uh, catalyze the closure. The closure. Uh, this is awful. <laughs> Start over if you need to. Let's... I'll just totally blow that one up. All right. What's your name and your job? Uh, my name is Alex Miller, and my job is to uh, help out with closure of the language and also closure of the community. The reason I came to closure in the first place is that I'd been doing software for well over a decade and had built big systems and different kinds of systems and had gotten to a point where I was just the, the complexity involved in programming was exceeding my desire to make programs. <laughs> and <laughs> I just was at a threshold where I was really unsatisfied with sort of my ability to make programs that sort of had a level of, level of complexity that I thought was manageable. And for me, closure was a ray of light. Uh, my name is Alex Reddington, uh, and I had been at Cognitect from uh, August of 2010 to March of 2016, so uh, a few months shy of six years. And uh, I'm going to be moving on to position eligible. All right. Congratulations for that. Thank you. Uh, do you have a personal quirk that makes you better at your job? Um, yes, I'm stubborn. Okay, that's a good answer. <laughs> so what was one important thing you learned at Cognitect? If I were going to pick one important thing that I learned at Cognitect, I think it would probably be the the value of working with immutable data, which is going to sound totally BS and, and markety to some people, I'm sure. But I don't care because it's actually like a really important thing that I learned. Uh, and the reason is that, you know, you can say working with in software with immutable data is valuable for these reasons. Um, when you sit down and you do it for a period of multiples of years, you become aware of how ridiculous it is to not work in that kind of uh, data management and how many problems that are difficult or head scratchy or uncomfortable become totally trivial once you move to working with immutable data structures. My name is Chris Reddinger and I'm a software developer. I think that the most important thing I've learned is really uh, how to design good software. I mean, I get to work daily with Rich now and uh, we really sit back and think about what we're going to solve, what problems we're going to solve rather than just uh, you know, producing something, we we come up with an actual problem that we're trying to solve, and then we we solve that problem. Sure, my name is Paul DeGrandis, and I am an engineer and architect here at Cognitect, and uh, you know, all around technology fellow. I would say uh, the one of the most important things I've learned at Cognitect is how to be a great follower and also be a great leader and be able to turn pretty quickly between both of those knobs. My name is uh, Jen Hudson, and my job is CFO. One important thing I've learned, and I don't know that I didn't know this before, but I know it in a different way now, is just communicating with different people requires different tactics all the time. And I think this was the first job that I had that I needed to be able to communicate effectively to people who are in the IT world on a day-to-day -day basis, trying to communicate my world to them. And a lot of times that, you know, what things that I know, I know that they are ignorant of and, and therefore often don't care about. So learning to be able to communicate things that they need to care about, regardless of whether it's something they know or don't know, learning to be able to do that effectively. It's something I've tried real hard, and it wasn't easy, and I, I think that I still don't do a great job of it, but I can see little bits and pieces of, oh, yeah, that person gets that now, <laughs> or, or they'll ask a question before doing something, 
and I was just like, okay, I made an impact somewhere there. My name is Stuart Holloway, and I'm a founder at Cognitech. All right. Uh, how can we make software or the software industry better? We have um, a big skill gap between the skills that the skills that are knowable and that we could have, and the skills that we actually have. So it's not like the skills don't exist out there, and it's just a you know a, a, a starting from a clean sheet. It's it's there's a ton of things out there to be known that are not known, and I think it's it's just from the growth of the industry. So one of the things that that I frequently pose as a hypothetical is if you took a particular company whose job it was to make software and you radically restructured it so that 30% of people's time was spent skilling up and 70% of their time was spent uh, writing software, um, would there be a turnaround point where that organization would you know, lap uh, a more traditional organization where that ratio is you know, much more production and, and less education. So I think that that um, providing opportunities for people to increase their skills and have more leverage is really big. I am Tim Ewald, and I am an engineer who works on our product team. I think the biggest thing I've learned at Cognitech uh, is the importance of um, a mutable state for building not just programs, uh, but entire distributed systems. That the, the shift from mutable to immutable state is, I think, way more important than any other uh, dimension that we uh, debate about in, in software engineering. So way more important than static versus dynamic typing or whether or not to do test-driven development or any number of other things. Uh, my name is Tim Baldridge. Uh, I'm a developer at Cognitech. The biggest thing is just slowing down. Uh, this is something, <laughs> I don't mind sharing this with people, this is something that comes up in, in uh, evaluations a lot of times, is that I'm a type of person that loves to sit down and just code, and I, and I do that a lot. And I think the, the one thing I've tried to focus on the most since coming to Cognitech is to slow down. It's okay to, if you have a pet project, not code for weeks, months at a time. And it's the whole hammock time thing, I guess, right? Um, uh, sitting and thinking about it more than actually diving in and doing something. But I, I think even when we, when we go and work for clients, it's, it's even more important there to sit down and, and, and think of all the possibilities of a situation before just diving into what may be the obvious at that time. And, and, and it goes along with that, too, is, is kind of playing the devil's advocate in your own mind and saying, hey, this tech looks cool. It fits our situation perfectly. But developing the, the self-control, if you will, to basically say, I'm not going to make a decision about this until I've at least looked at two other technologies that would probably work as well. And, and not doing that just for the sake of doing it, but doing it to make sure that you're not completely enamored by some new tech that you found and then you think, oh, this is perfect. But uh, really doing your research and, and uh, thinking before jumping. All right. Uh, how can we make software or the software industry better? Hmm. That's an interesting one. I would say to continually beat the drum for simplicity. Because <laughs> I, I think, uh, you know, everyone gets kind of wrapped up in, um, you know, the, the newest, latest thing. And uh, it can explode into complexity of containers and JavaScript libraries. And it's always good if, you know, people are stepping back and saying, do you really need that? <laughs> How can we make the software industry better? And I think that's kind of a broad question. There's so many things to work on, um, whether that's just about people or just about technology. Um, I th think there's just a lot of things to work on there. Uh, I don't think there's a simple answer to that. Okay, that's a very Cognitech answer, if you ask me. I think it's a, and it's a good one, right? Which is, you know, there's no silver bullet, right? Like, duh, you know, this is a complicated. There's like you ask me, you think you have one problem, you actually have thirty problems, right? Yeah. My name is Stuart Sierra, and I am a developer and consultant. What's the best thing about working at Cognitech? Uh, you know, it's it's a, a company that really seems to value doing things right, whether 
that means you know doing things that are technically sound and well thought out or you know making uh decisions that are you know ethical in in the way we do business and the the people we work with and trying to do the right thing to help our clients uh even even if the clients themselves are making that difficult we uh everyone is is genuinely trying to do better most of the time no one's just clocking in doing their work and clocking out okay so my name is yoko harada i'm working uh, i'm a software developer what's one important thing you've learned at cognitech hmm that's a tough question so i learned a lot at the cognitech so actually this is the very first job in the us for me so uh it was really really different so I didn't know American style, uh, so American working style at all. And I first learned, I, sometimes my question to my coworker sounds weird. So in those days, I asked Jamie a lot and occasionally she couldn't understand my question. So I learned a lot uh, American style uh, working an American-style job. Uh, I'm Marshall Thompson. Uh, I have a few jobs at Cognitech. Uh, I was originally hired as a business development associate, uh, but I've sort of since transitioned to a bit of a hybrid role where I'm doing some sales engineering, pre-sales technical support, and I'm also a, a technical account manager for Datomic customers. What's the best thing about working at Cognitech? That probably varies on a day-to-day basis, but if I had to pick one thing, it's probably the fact that I get to interact with both just the brilliant people at Cognitech who are, who are not only, you know, technically brilliant and sort of this amazing backgrounds in literature and art and science and all these things, but are also just really good people. And at the same time, I get to interface with, you know, a large proportion of our clients, whether they're on the Datomic side or the consulting side. So I'm, I feel... I don't feel sort of sequestered, which, you know, my background in, in biological sciences before this, you could get kind of lonely in the lab. Uh, so it's really cool to be able to have conversations about, you know, cool, interesting new ideas with a different group of people every day or every week. Uh, Jen Hilner, and I am, um, I think my official title is sales lead at Cognitech. What's one important thing you've learned at Cognitech? That you are... Um, never too old to learn a lot of new things. What's the best thing about your job? I am given a pretty big voice in sort of what we do here and, and uh, feel like I'm empowered to affect change, which is uh, something that, you know, you don't get in a lot of places. And, and given also a lot of independence as far as how I approach my job, which I, I like a lot. What's the best thing about working at Cognitech? Um, definitely the people. I, I'm really, you know, I've, it's, I'm getting to know people more and more every day. And, and there's a lot of people I don't get exposed to all the time. So like having things like Cognation gave me a chance to be exposed to people, you know, I don't really interact with on a regular basis. And even though it's such a diverse group of people, um, there's sort of a unifying characteristic of like r- true mutual respect, um, a love of learning, um, a, a, a strong desire to kind of help educate to and teach in a way um, where there's a lot, you know, there's, there's not a lot of, I haven't encountered a lot of ego with that. It's just, you know, people truly being invested in, in sort of raising the tide in order to raise all boats. Tell us your name and what you do at Cognitech. Damien Mack, developer. What do you like most about your job? Uh, most. I would have to say the uh, extent to which I'm treated like an adult. I'm Kim Foster, and I'm director of recruiting for Cognitech. So the reason I've been a recruiter my whole career is that I really think people should 
do the work that makes them happy. And I truly believe that it's my job to help Cognitech as a company and candidates figure out whether or not that's going to happen in a specific role. And it's really cool. There are people around the Durham area that I placed 10, 15, 20 years ago who are still in the jobs I placed them at. Yeah. And so that, you know, that's really exciting to me. I feel like I've had an impact. Oh, that one's super easy. The, the thing I like most about my job is the people that I work with. Uh, I, I make this analogy to when I was in college, people would come up with these crazy ideas. Hey, I heard a cryogenics lab is shutting down and they've got a 1 million BTU chiller that they're just going to throw away. We should do something with it. And all of us go, yeah, let's go get it. Even though we had no idea how to deal with cooling systems or what we were going to chill with a million BTUs or whatever. Or someone came and said, uh, we should build a life-size sperm whale in Millican Pond. And, uh, and we did. And, you know, complete with rolling eyes and flapping tail and all of this stuff. We knew that there were things we didn't know. And we knew there were things we didn't know how to do. But we also kind of believed that there was nothing we couldn't figure out or learn how to do. I spent about 20 years of my career looking for a company full of those people. And what I found in most companies is people who had defeated themselves before they even began. They were in love with their limitations. And when I got to Cognitech, which was relevance at the time, I found a company full of people who were willing to be audacious and tackle anything and know that they could figure it out. I love that environment. I am Russ Olson. I am the Vice President of Consulting Services at Cognitech. What do I like most about Cognitech? The people, the people I work with. So I'm not sure why you get to ask all the questions all the time, Craig. What's one thing you've learned at Cognitech? I, I have, I, I don't know if I can say it as like one succinct lesson. Really, I think what it is, is it's an existence proof about what a really good team of developers can do. I, I, I mean, I like to think of myself as a very good developer. I feel like I'm good at software. I think you are. Thank you. But uh, so I've been, but and I've been lucky enough to be associated with other groups of really good developers at times. I've been at Microsoft, and whatever you think about the company, if you've been inside it, you know, there's no very shortage. smart people. There's absolutely yeah. no shortage there. I was at a company called Development, or same thing, really smart people, but. For all that experience, um, when I came to what was then relevance, I was completely blown away by the speed at which the people here could create really good software. It was it was amazing. I mean, it was it was you know to be conservative, it was four times as fast as I'd ever seen anyone make something working, like not only working but working well before. I'd never seen anybody move at that speed, at that level of quality. Um, and I think, um, so for me, what that showed is that, you know, um, the, the team really matters, right? That, you know, other people have said this software is about people. I've said it many times. It really is. Um, and one of the ways in which it's about people is, is that good developers make a real difference, right? You, you really can do better with with, with a set of people that really know what they're doing. Do you have a personal quirk that makes you better at your job? Um, uh, maybe. I mean, you might have asked somebody else for that. I, I, what I would say is that I have a combination of traits mm -hmm. that is um, common here at Cognitech, but unusual in general, mm -hmm. right? So the typical picture of a developer is, um, and I don't think it's really correct, but it's, it's stereotypical, is that they have a lot of technical ability, but very little social ability. Right. And so I think a lot of the people here, and I would count myself among them, um, have both, right? The ability both to be, um, uh, you know, if I can be immodest, a little bit excellent technically, but also to be the sort of person that, you know, if they wanted to go into sales or marketing or some other um, discipline, which uh, typically requires a very high um, uh, EQ, emotional, uh, what's the Q for? Quotient, right? Quotient, yeah. Um, that they could do that as well. And, and that the confluence of those things, I think, definitely makes you better at consulting. But I think it makes you better at software in general. 
Because as many people, even on this episode, have said, software is about, about pe- people. people. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And so being good with people, or at least maybe maybe at least being good at communicating with people, educating people is 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 a superpower, and it's multiplicative, right? Like you could be good at communicating, and that's great. You could be good at technology, and that's great. If you're good at both, you're much better than the right. sum of those two things. Well, my name is Joe Smith or Joseph Smith, or Joe R. Smith, uh, whatever way I could make it sound semi-original. And um, I'm a software developer at Cognitect. Uh, what are you doing outside of work right now that you're most excited about? Well, it's spring. Uh, so I, I spent uh, a good part of uh, yesterday evening moving uh, a good chunk of 10 cubic yards of compost uh, from my driveway into my backyard. Uh, so th- that's going to be the hobby for the next month and a half. On the job side of things, not job side, but things related to what I do every day, I've been I've been writing a lot of J, <laughs> which is a uh, it's a, a successor to APL, and I've been having a lot of fun with that. Wasn't APL the one with the crazy keyboard you had to use? Yes, yeah. So I mean, APL was originally designed um, as a way to express programs on a you know basically on a chalkboard. You know, it kind of predates, you know, personal computers. It does predate personal computers. So the, the intention was a concise notation for, for programming. And uh, J uh, is very similar to APL, except it uses an ASCII character set, which makes it, one, a little bit more practical. But it also embraces some, uh, some concepts from uh, function-level programming, which is a uh, constrained form of functional programming. My name is Brian Engel. I am the product marketing director, or aka the marketing guy here at Cognitect. Outside of work, I'm working with the North Carolina Interscholastic Cycling League to build out a middle and high school um, mountain biking league that will start in the spring of 2017. I'm Ben Camphouse, and um, my primary role, I guess, is support engineer uh, for the Datomic team, and then I do miscellaneous other stuff as well. Uh, well, I think with um, with the software industry, I mean, I think it's by necessity going to be a bit of a uh, political question for me. But there's no there's no question that increasing diversity, increasing the number of people who have a seat at the table who can influence. Uh, what's going to happen, what, you know, the next steps of technology look like. Um, I think that's huge. Uh, my name is Benoit, and I'm a developer at Cognitech. Any quirks that make you better at your job? Um, I think my attention to detail, um, wanting to go to the bottom of things and really understand uh, what is going on and to not be afraid of saying I don't understand something, I think that helped me a lot. Better at my job. Um, I'm sure I have lots of quirks that make me worse at my job. Um, so uh, a quirk is I don't actually like writing code. And so I will go to fairly great lengths of uh, thinking and designing and working things out on paper before I sit down to actually write the code. I'd say probably uh, the fact that I'm pretty hard to get to shut up. I am hypervigilant to an annoying level. (laughs) Do you have a personal quirk or a personality attribute that you think makes you better at your job? I don't know when to give up. Uh, so I'm David Chalimsky. Uh, I call myself a software developer. I think the job title is software engineer. I, I have it. Maybe this is a quirk, which I sometimes fear is actually more annoying than, than I imagine it is productive. But when I'm in the middle of a conversation involving two other people and I hear one person say something to the other and I sense that the other person's response indicates that the second person didn't really understand what the first person said, uh, I'll interject and try and qualify that. 
And some non-trivial percentage of the time, that actually helps to clarify things in the conversation. So I'll go with that one. Okay. I'll call that a quirk. How can we make software or the software industry better? That's a tough question. I mean, I know how we could do that in the micro in terms of the projects that we're on, which is, in a sense, to just keep doing what we're doing, working the way we work, which is to which is not different from what any other consultancy would say is the way they work. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we try to solve the actual problem and do it in, in a way that's going to leave the customer in a good place when the relationship comes to an end. Uh, and we try and help them understand what the real problem is that they're trying to solve. But I, I, reiterating, I suspect if you talk to any, anybody who works in consultancy, they'd say a similar thing. Well, do you think there's anything different about the way Cognitech does business or build software that can result in a in a better a better world whether that's just for software developers or in general it's it's hard to answer that question because i haven't i haven't worked for a million consultancies so i don't know how they all work nor have i hired any of them i think that we have an aim i this goes back to what i was saying before i think we have an aim to solve the problem with the best tool for the job and, I mean, sure, you know, we're usually going to go for closure and we're usually going to go for datomic or at least keep those in the uh, list of available tools. But, and people come to us for those. But I mean even at a, at a more granular level, like which libraries to use and which uh, approaches to take in an architecture. And I think we do a good job of balancing all that in light of our, what might be our own biases. What do you like most about Cognitect? I work with a bunch of very intelligent and yet humble people. I, you know, especially in my first year here, I, I suffered deeply from imposter syndrome. And I'm finally kind of getting past that. But a lot of how I've been able to sort of deal with that is that the people who I admire uh, and look up to in the sense that I think I can learn something from them, which is pretty much everybody else in the company. Uh, nobody is particularly arrogant or makes me feel small when I ask stupid questions, um, which makes me feel free to ask questions that I might otherwise refrain from asking for fear of looking stupid, if that all makes sense. All right. Uh, what are you doing outside of work right now that you're most excited about? I have a a dream one day to successfully grow cabbages, which I have not yet really been able to realize. I've tried year after year after year. So, uh, you know, something always happens like these flea beetles come and eat it or like a deer will come by and just like eat the whole thing. So every year I love this time of year because I can dream. I have the seeds and I plant them and, you know, I have the potential. Uh, what's the last book you finished? If you give me five minutes, I can finish Gravity's Rainbow. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll I'm really you. close. You're that really close. close. Got it. All right. Uh, are you not like – it's not like uh, uh, Zeno's Paradox though where every day you read half of what's left, is it? <laughs> no. Okay. It feels like – it felt like it sometimes. All right. Okay. If you were an animal, what would you be? A cat. Why? Uh, I'm aloof and uh, I like to sleep a lot. How many emails are in your inbox right now? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. How many emails are in your inbox? Twenty. Um, how many emails are in your inbox right now? Let me look. So twenty. So uh, how many emails are in your inbox? Between ten and twenty thousand. How many emails are in your inbox right now? Unread. There might be two. And. Less than 20. How many emails are in your inbox? 24,556. How many emails are in your inbox right now? Let's see here. <laughs> Down to 55. What was it like the email came out? Like if you could give advice to yourself when you were went back and, you know, five words to your younger self, what would it be? Mm-hmm. And it would be for me, don't eat the dog biscuits.
And then the weirdest moment in the company's history was the time when um, a client owed us uh, $25,000 and he was driving up from Charlotte to um, come and, you know, do the next iteration kickoff meeting. And he asked if he could pay us in cash. Uh, and I said, uh, sure, a cashier's check would work. And he said, no, I mean cash. And I said, no, under no circumstances will I take $25,000 in bills from you, but could you bring it so I can see it? <laughs> uh, and then you can drive over to a bank and turn it into a cashier's check, and I'd be happy to take that. <clears throat> um, my name is Jennifer Critchlow, and my job is the accounting manager, which is a fancy term for a um, bookkeeper, which means I basically spend all the company's money. Awesome. <laughs> I think the rest of us do occasionally pitch in and spend some of it, but I, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> you got to keep us in check though, right? You're, you're the one that actually pays the bills for all the other toys, right? Exactly. I pay for all the toys. Um, so this next one is one that I definitely want. So it's, it's a question that might sound like it's aimed at the devs, but I'm actually interested in everybody's answer to this. And it is, if we lived in a world where computers and programming didn't exist, what would your day job be? Oh, well, see, my day job probably wouldn't have changed that much because everybody needs, you know, accounting people. So, I, I mean, I think of that as a fairly um, uh, computer-intensive task. Uh, you know, there's a lot of numbers floating around. Do you – I'm curious, for someone that does this all the time, do you think that your day-to-day -day work would be significantly different if you couldn't rely on computers? Um, I think it would because um, to a certain degree, you would have to do everything on paper. So you would write your incomes, your outgo, outgoings, um, you know, checks and balances. Everything would be done on paper, so I'd kill a lot more trees that way. <laughs> true, true, true. All right, uh, what are you doing outside of work right now that you're most excited about? We are working on a production of The Little Mermaid. That is going to be performed in the middle of May, and we are um, getting the costumes finalized, and the set work done, and all that kind of fun stuff. And when you say we, this is your daughter's uh, dance studio, right? That's correct. So my name's Sam Umbach. I am a software developer at Cognitect. Uh, I think for a very long time, you know, I saw myself, others saw me as sort of very analytical um, and uh, systematic and just being that kind of a, a thinker, like a mathematical thinker. Um, and that, that caused me really to ignore intuition or, or uh, devalue it, right? Feel like that was something that is sort of less valuable than something that I could sort of rationally lay out and plan ahead of time. Um, and certainly what I've learned, and this happens in uh, software development all the time, of like there's a lot of times when you just have a sense of something, like especially in debugging, of – you know, eh, I think it's this. I think it might be this that that, that goes wrong, uh, uh, or or you know where you want to pursue. And I think that judgment, that intuition, is really really powerful. And yeah, a thing that you can um, uh, that you can develop uh, and exercise. Uh, you can also let it you know run away from you. Uh, uh, that's where I really love Stu's um, debugging with the scientific method talk. Uh, I think that's one of the the best talks that I've seen. Uh, ever really honestly i just keep going back and watching it uh but i think i think the two uh, can marry very well which is to have this process to have this framework to work within but also to give yourself the uh the leeway to go and like use your judgment like when you're developing a hypothesis that is that's a creative process that's something that's intuitive inherently uh so yeah do it you know embrace it uh, uh, I, I, that really is, uh, to me, a, a piece of advice that I keep having to remind myself of. Do you have any good Cognitech stories you'd like to share? Around the first week of me joining Then Relevance, it, it was at the end of the day, and Alex War walked by saying, the draft starts at 6 or something like that. And... Um, this was um, mid to late August, so in my head, I immediately thought, oh my god, this is so cool, Relevance does fantasy football. <laughs> like, how do I get into this, th their league? So I'm like, six o'clock, draft starts, and I got a little excited, and I'm like, I have to talk to people, because I'm brand new, you know, like, I'm definitely interested, 
And then an uh, email came out from Alex saying uh, something like DD draft or something like that. And I'm like, DD draft? It's not FF draft. Like, huh. And then, you know, long story short, it turned out to be Dungeons and Dragons or some kind of game draft that they were doing. And here I was excited about doing, you know, joining a fantasy football league. And so, therefore, the next year, I started a fantasy football league at Cognitect, and it was a massive failure. <laughs> like, only three people actually like paid attention, you know? When I was first at Cognitech, it was probably, I was probably only here a few months, and we were having a company meeting, and so I was trying to get from the Washington, D.C. area to Durham, and I was flying, and it was one of those airline nightmares. They kept us hanging around for five or six hours, and it's an hour and a half flight, maybe. Finally, I made it to the company meeting, and there were we were having dinner or something at one some restaurant, and so the whole company, a lot of these people whom I didn't know, I walked into the restaurant and kind of dropped my bag and was looking around for a place to sit, and Stu Holloway came up to me and hugged me. I am not a touchy-feely person. I am not, uh, you know, the kind of person who hugs his friends. I love my friends dearly, but I don't typically hug them. And it occurred to me as we were driving down here that a substantial portion of the people in my life whom I do hug work at this company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here. Uh, definitely the thing that I like most about Cognitech is the people and the atmosphere uh, of working here. And this has been something that has uh, grown and changed as the company went from being tiny to being a little bit larger, to being mostly located in one place, to being geographically distributed. Um, but across all of that, you know, my friendships uh, are predominantly work friendships and they are some of the deepest and most meaningful relationships um, that I've had in my life, possibly partially because I'm a workaholic. What do you like most about Cognitect? I am always fascinated by the interests and, and hobbies and things like that that Cognitect uh, people seem to have uh, outside of software and, and sort of such a deep level of knowledge in um, all manner of arcane areas. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I love hearing about all that stuff. And it, it's, a, it's, it's a fascinating, uh, it makes for fascinating hallway conversation. Uh, I think that's one of my one of my favorite things. What are you doing outside of work right now that you're most excited about? Um, I had the chance to do like five or six years of art school, and uh, I really enjoyed it. And uh, since then, I've been um, doing art on the side. And uh, what's your medium? I, I mean, do you use uh, just uh, paper and uh, and a pencil? Cool. It's very simple. Uh, I don't know about the coolest or my favorite, uh, but the one that has me sort of has my brain going the most right now is uh, working on a hobby operating system. And uh, I've just been really tearing through that pretty hard recently. What are you doing outside of work right now that you're most excited about? Um, I am uh, building furniture uh, by hand largely, that is with hand tools, not just by hand. <laughs> and so I've been doing that for, I think, five years now. Um, and it's it's uh, just really great to be building something with my hands. And it's I can see my own progress in that period of time. So I feel like I'm improving in it. Outside of work, I mean, I've, uh, I think a lot of people know I, I, liked, I like music. I like playing music with my friends. I have a good group of people who I record music with and occasionally we do shows. Um, it's definitely not something that I spend enough time on to be like a serious side project, but it's definitely a source of much enjoyment. And it's just a great, it's just a great creative outlet, having people that you are good friends with that you can make music with together. One of the first times that I, uh, went down uh, to North Carolina for a company gathering. I had known prior to that that um, people uh, in Cognitech were, uh, you know, like to play music, right? I mean, everyone says that, you know, I, I like music, blah, blah, blah. 
but it didn't it it didn't strike me what that meant until I went down there for the first time and saw people actually like creating music and we're making like awesome music. I mean, really doing a great job. There there are some amazing musicians in Cognitech. And so every time we go down or I go down, I want to get into that, you know, I want to jam with people and so it's it's just so amazing that you know in one place there are so many people who are musicians or uh, enjoy music. People just lay it out on the line and play music with each other. Well, I've, uh, a couple of years ago, I took up guitar, not because I hope to be any good at it, but simply as uh, one hobby, at least, that is not on the computer. Outside of work, outside of work, I am combining my love of music with my love of building odd things. And I've been building cigar box guitars lately. I, I am uh, trying to play electric guitar a little bit. I, I've kind of hacked it. And, and, uh, but so many people at Cognitect, you know, play, play music, um, you know, quite well, uh, especially electric guitar. I think the thing that I find um, most entertaining about Cognitech right now is that if you took time-lapsed photography of the office in Durham where I go into work uh, over the last year and then I, I project this forward, um, you would conclude that the company was morphing from a software development company into a guitar store. It's like every, every you know, once every three or four weeks, some new piece of musical equipment shows up. And then the final question is one we end every show with, which is we ask the guests to share some advice either that they've been given or that they like to give. Uh, we can stop being so focused on ourselves. I think uh, programmers are inordinately focused on their own convenience, uh, culture and various other things and we are such navel gazers and we are not looking around at the world we're primarily working for ourselves making libraries for ourselves making editors and tools for ourselves talking to ourselves about ourselves we should definitely turn away from ourselves much more often than we do I will um, go back to a piece of parenting advice that I got when our daughter her first day in church she was I don't know two or three weeks old and this 86 year old woman I remember her at that age sat next to me and she said um, you need to find something enjoyable about every stage of life because they go by really quickly it just has always stuck with me because <laughs> there is certainly something to complain about with every stage of life and if that's all you focus on, then you're missing it. So as I, I've mentioned to you before, Craig, I work um, a lot with getting kids out on bikes. And as part of that, we do some racing. And what I always try to tell the kids is that it's not about how they do relative to the other kids. It's about how they do relative to themselves. And so I always encourage, um, encourage kids to compare themselves to their best effort. And put their own best effort in for themselves rather than comparing themselves to others. Yeah, so I'm working a lot for Closure Bridge, which is to diverse Closure community. Uh, already there's a lot of workshops, but uh, still there's uh, many areas haven't had any workshops. So I want to encourage people to uh, get started. Um, well, I'll go back to something I said earlier. You know, make sure that whatever you do for work is something that makes you happy. And if it doesn't make you happy, then fix it. And then the final question is one we end every show with, which is we ask the guests to share some advice either that they've been given or that they like to give. This is advice that uh, that I've never stated out loud before, but it's something that's been on my mind a lot lately. Every human being has intrinsic worth. Every person should be treated with respect and dignity, regardless of the extent that you agree or disagree with them. Everybody's got the same core humanity to them. And, uh, I think it's incumbent on all of us, whatever our beliefs, 
to treat that with respect and, and dignity. You have been listening to the Cognicast. The Cognicast is a production of Cognitech Inc. Cognitech are the makers of Datomic, and we provide consulting services around it, closure, and a host of other technologies to businesses ranging from the smallest startups to the Fortune 50. You can find us on the web at Cognitech.com and on Twitter at Cognitech. You can subscribe to the Cognicast, listen to past episodes, and view cover art, show notes, and episode transcripts at our home on the web, Cognitech.com slash podcast. You can contact the show by tweeting at Cognicast or by emailing us at podcast at Cognitech.com. Our guest today was the entire company uh, on Twitter at Cognitech and individually at all sorts of places. Episode cover art is by Michael Parento. Audio production, a huge job on this episode, I might add, is by Russ Olson and Damian Mack. The Cognicast is produced by Kim Foster. Our theme music is Thumbs Up for Rock and Roll by Kill the Noise with Feed Me. And our outro today was performed by David Jelimski. I'm your host, Craig Andera. Thanks for listening. That's better. So that's about brains and tools, huh? How can we make software or the software industry better? Isn't that what I just answered? Oh, I don't know. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Be gentle. Good good to know. Oh, wait. That's on tape. Damn it. Maybe have you tried hitting yourself over the head with the laptop? That might... (laughs) You know, there's no question in my mind that uh, when it comes down to fight or flight... My skills are very clearly in the latter. <laughs> I only have like 0.5 cores. Russ, of all the people on this planet, with the possible exception of my wife, who have access to stupid things that I have said, <laughs> you're number one. So what are the health benefits of raw eggs? Hey, listen, my doorbell's ringing. <laughs> can, yeah. I, can I call you back in a minute? I, am a, I have a big mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you're not alone. I, I don't care. I, I do the same thing with potatoes. Well, I, everything I say is dumb. Well, I have the same problem, and yet here we are at 100 shows. And... <laughs>